Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. All right, friends, well, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be talking with my dear friend and like the coolest person in the world, Jess Ekstrom. She is the author of the book, Chasing the Bright Side, which you must purchase immediately. And she's also the founder of Headbands of Hope, and she's the creator of the Mic Drop Workshop, which leads us to today's topic, building a profitable speaking business. And I am pumped to talk about this because a lot of people, namely creative entrepreneurs, probably like you, are always so surprised when I tell them that they can make money speaking. And I think that something's a little amiss about this creative industry we're in, but we're going to dive into that later. Uh, Before we do that, I want to kick it over to Jess and let her tell us all about herself. Tell us why you're so passionate about getting speakers to a place of profitability and just, yeah, give us, give us the 411. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, As I was saying on here before, the Lizzo dance that you taught me is now a regular warm-up in my life. So you have impacted me more than you'll ever know. Even my husband's learned it, but that'll be for another episode. And so a little bit about me. I started my company, Headbands of Hope, when I was in college. I was interning for Make-A-Wish and saw a lot of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy and would be offered a wig or a hat when a lot of them loved to wear headbands after hair loss. And I just thought it was such a cool gesture of confidence. They just wanted to own who they were and not hide what they were going through. And so I thought there should be something out there giving headbands to kids with illnesses. And so I started Headbands of Hope my junior year of college. Uh, And for every headband sold, we donate one to a child with an illness and launched it April 25th, 2012. Did a ton of things wrong, which, you know, happy to get into, but I know we're focusing on speaking today, so you can read about them in Chasing the Bright Side. And through growing my company, you know, for a while, I thought that my mission was, you know, helping these kids with illnesses. And one of the things I started to realize was like another great mission that I started to have was helping people through my story of starting Headbands of Hope. I was someone who I was... 20 years old, starting this business, like still playing, you know, beer pong on the weekends, like going to football games. Like I was not someone who had it all together, but I kind of believed in this thing that I wanted to create. And so I think that the, the story of the A to B with Headbands of Hope was something I started to share just in colleges and classrooms. And then that developed into a speaking career and eventually, um, you know, becoming an author. And I think for a long time, I thought that my mission, you know, as a human was about like how far I could reach, you know, how many stages can I speak on a year? How many books could I write? How many companies can I start? And number one, that's exhausting. And number two, like it's, it's self-centered and not scalable. And so I've realized now that I feel like my whole you know, mission as an entrepreneur is not how far I can reach, but how far I can help others reach, specifically women in monetizing their story. So that's how I came up with Mic Drop Workshop, which is my online course and community to help women become professional speakers. So not just learn how to speak, but get paid to do it because there's a huge discrepancy 
with women speakers getting paid, women speakers getting, you know, bigger keynote opportunities, especially women of color. And then as we were talking about, about before, creatives, you know, like there's sometimes this stigma in the speaking world that being a creative means that, you know, you don't have these great opinions or, ex or expert on something which couldn't be further from the truth. So excited to talk about that today. Yeah, that's awesome. I love your story. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl. I love how your story comes full circle and kind of like closes up that passion that you already had. And I feel like you always work from a place of heart anyway, which is just really refreshing. Um, okay. So let's jump in to like, how can people get started mm -hmm. on the path of becoming a speaker? I feel like a lot of times with people that I coach and with, with the people who are pursuing speaking through education, like with my academy and things like that, it's usually like a supplemental thing. So, um, I, you know, I kind of guide them as best I can, but aside from encouraging them and, um, kind of like telling them to take the reins on, you know, be confident in asking for being paid and all these things. Cause most of the time the people I work with are experts. Um, if somebody was just sitting there listening and they're thinking, I really want to share my story. Like how does one even get started in that? So I'll tell you right now that the main difference between speakers who speak for free and speakers who get paid to speak is making meaning of the moments in their life where you're like, let's say you're my story of, of starting a company. I'm not going to go out there and assume that everyone in the audience is going to start a company because usually I'm talking to people who aren't. So what is it that they can learn from my story that can help their story? So instead of going out there and sh maybe sharing your entrepreneurial journey or your, um, you know, life moments, try to make meaning of them that could be more universal. So for example, like, let's say you climbed, you know, Mount Everest or something, and that's what you're going to speak on. Chances are people in the audience aren't going to go climb Mount Everest. And so just going out there and talking about what it was like up there in the summit, oh, it's windy. Instead, what are some of the lessons that you learned during that moment of climbing that people could take in the challenges in their life? And so making it about the audience and less about you and using your story as like a supportive analysis is the difference between free versus paid. So even when it comes to listing yourself as a speaker on your website and your abstract that you write, you know, about yourself and your keynote that you have, it should be more about transformation of the audience and less about the information. That's one of the things that I always try to ring, you know, in people's head is like, what's the transformation that you're providing? So when people come into the auditorium, what are they going to be then? And then after they leave, what are they going to be now? And so focusing on that transformation, that's what people pay for. So figuring out what that is for you. Um, and for me, what I like to do is just write about it, you know, write about some of your pivotal stories that have happened in your life. What's the meaning that you can pull from them? And that's, that's step one. I love that. And I think, um, that that is a really common problem or like pitfall. I know when I did like one of my first paid speaking gigs, it was, it was like one of those youth girls groups that was local. It wasn't like a creative conference or anything like that. Um, but one of my first paid ones, I made the mistake of going in with like a presentation on like social media and like how to use it responsibly. And I literally was like, I feel like I'm 
I'm teaching high school, but not in a good way. I mean, I'm a high school teacher, so I can say that, but like, it was very much like, here's a presentation versus like, how can I connect with these kids on their level? I did the same thing. Right. And I just think like, I had a Prezi, which is even worse. I was like, who uses Prezi's anymore? Yeah. I love that so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think like, I, I think that's something. That, and then you probably, I think if you don't realize that you're not doing that part well, it's easy to just continue mm-hmm. on that path. So I appreciate you sharing. So like, what what are some steps that you would give someone to kind of like, dig deep and find their story. I think a lot of times people struggle with like finding like what is interesting. I think a lot of women in particular get caught up on like the, well, this isn't anything special. Like I, right. You know, like I don't have anything crazy to share or whatever. Mm -hmm. So some of my, it's crazy. Like some of my most impactful stories that I've shared on stage that people talk about or tweet about after is not about the time that I was like on the Today Show or like crazy stuff like that. It's about the time where, you know, I totally like flopped in a yoga class and like things like that where people can relate to it. So people want to be able to see themselves in a speaker. So if you think that your story that you're coming from isn't interesting enough or isn't good enough, it actually might be perfect because with a speaking industry used to be is what I like to call male, pale, and stale. Um, a bunch of white men that are speaking from this, like, well, when I got my doctorate, you know, whatever, it's so hard to be able to see yourself in them. And in order to truly provide a transformation, they need to be able to bridge the gap from where they're sitting to where you're sitting. So being authentic, being yourselves, telling stories that are relatable is exactly what people need right now. And then these conference planners and these um, people who book speakers are looking high and low for women speakers right now. In fact, I was a at an event and there was like a program director there for this huge conference. And she was like, look, I want to book more women speakers. It's just that they're only like 15% of the applications that we get. So it's just a much smaller pool. And that just kind of goes to a lot of men are not afraid to ask and put their name in a hat, you know, to be a speaker. And women need to show up and do the same because we have so many things that need to be said. Um, And I truly believe that being a speaker is like the reason it could be the reason for societal shifts and just like change in perspective. And so if that's only coming from white men, you know, you wonder how we got here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, I'm like, amen over here. Uh, okay. So I love that. And I think that that's like a really good way for people to start thinking through like, okay, what are some stories or what are some experiences that I've had, whether they're large or small that I could kind of translate into lessons. Um, so let's shift gears and talk about like getting booked, getting paid. Like Mm -hmm. how do we start? Where where do we go from here? Yeah, totally. So small things that you can do today. First thing is just put speaker in your bio. Like people don't do this because they're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Am, am I a speaker? You know, if you want to go on stages, people need to know that you are a speaker. Like you can't get booked if you don't have that um, in your title. So put it in your email signature, put it in your um, social media bio. You never know who's following you that might also be looking for speakers. So that's step one is just own the fact that you're a speaker. Step two is have like one thing that you do as a speaker. 
you know, this is the one keynote that I give that I know that I'm really good at. So it poses a bigger question of like, what do you want to be known for, you know, which can be pretty big. Um, but it also can be dynamic. You know, you don't, whatever you are owning today might be different a year from now, but I would focus on one thing. I think the biggest mistake I see a lot of speakers make is I go onto their speaking website and they're like, here are the five different things that I can talk about. And that's great for maybe some of the lower paid gigs that are like zero to $500 where we're just looking for someone with a lively personality that can come and tell a story. But if you're looking to get into like the $3,000 to $10,000 speaking engagements, they want to know that this is the keynote that you give that you have, you are really good at. So I like to say, don't be a cheesecake factory speaker. Don't be like, I have, you know, sushi, I have burgers. Do you want, you know, pasta, like whatever it is, they want their main, your main dish. What is the one thing that you want to do? And then just own that lane. And people see value in that. They're not going to pay a speaker $10,000 who can speak on five different things. They're going to pay them to speak on that one thing. So think about what you want that one thing to be and make that known on your website. And then when it comes into like pricing, again, I think a lot of women undervalue themselves because they don't want to come off as too aggressive in pricing, but I'll be straight up with you that my first speaking gig I ever had was for a slice of pizza, <laughs> but my second speaking gig that I ever got was for $2,200. So that was my first paid speaking opportunity. And that was when I was probably still negative dollars in my business. Like I wasn't a successful business person at that point, but still I had value to my story. So beginning speakers can make anywhere from like $500 to $3,000 in their first few gigs. So pricing yourself somewhere in there. And then the other thing is that a lot of times people think of speaking as an hourly rate. You know, they price depending on how long you speak for, which most keynotes are an hour. Um, and we can get into how you map out that hour because I know that can seem daunting. But it doesn't matter if you're speaking for 15 minutes, if you're speaking for 45 minutes, if you're speaking for an hour, it is your rate. It is the same rate because they're not paying for your time that you're spending on stage. They're paying for the years and years of experience that you have created to craft this talk. So don't price it based on the time of the talk, but rather all of the years of experience that it took you to get there. And one more thing I like to think about when it comes to pricing, a lot of people, I think in the moment want to be agreeable. And I'm so guilty of that where I just want to make it work. I want to make it a win-win for everyone. And I'm just like, yeah, sure. Just like buy me a sandwich and we'll call it a day. And then when it actually comes time to that date where I have to leave my husband, leave my dog, pack up my shit, get on a plane, go take two days out of my life to speak. And don't get me wrong, I love it, but it is a disruption. Like that's when I'm like, why did I agree to do this for whatever amount? So when you're thinking about pricing yourself, think about what would it take for me to feel good about stopping everything I'm doing and going to do this? Like, and at the end of the day, that's your rate you know, and for you to be able to stop your life, get on a plane and go speak at this event, like that is what your rate is. So that's something to think about. I so appreciate your transparency on the pricing point, because I can pretty much guarantee that all of my listeners who had any interest in speaking are like, what the hell I can get paid that much. Like 
I truly think there's something amiss in the creative entrepreneurial space, at least that like, I know my listeners, I know my audience, I know my people, and they're listening to this being like, I would have done that for free. Like put me on a stage. That's, that's, they're doing me a favor by putting me on a stage. I like, I could never imagine myself, you know, I, I just think that so often um, creative. So I'm thinking like photographers, artists, people who are attending these conferences are viewing the people on stage as like some kind of like cool celebrity that like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just such an honor that they yeah. would do it for free. They would pay to go do that. And I, I have paid to go speak at conferences. Like Me too. I mean, who hasn't, yeah. but I think just knowing, having like the knowledge in your mind that there is worth enough to ask for payment is huge. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And like, it, and it doesn't have to be either or, you yes. know, too, like it can be a really good experience for you and you can still get paid. I used to think that too. I'm like, Oh, well, this would be a really great marketing opportunity for like bright pages or headbands of hope. And so therefore I like think that maybe my rate isn't as important. I'm like, no, it can be a really good marketing opportunity and I can still get paid my rate. So it doesn't have to be an either or scenario. And I think one of the bigger wake up calls for me with my rate, um, was actually like a little over a year ago, you know, I was pricing, I was kind of in the like 10 to $15,000 range per gig and I was speaking consistently. I had a lot of great testimonials and, um, and I felt like pretty good about, you know, where I was at. And I go and speak at this conference where this other man is speaking there as well. And for some reason, like the, I was talking to the program director and she told me what they paid that man to speak. And it was $60,000 for that one gig. And I got paid, you know, one sixth of that. And my audience ratings when they turned it in were exponentially higher than his. And so it just goes to be like, you know, I like to say, if you want the ball, call for it. If you want the fee, ask for it and say with confidence, like my fee is blank and not like, well, I usually quote myself at five, but let me know what you can do because then your fee is no longer a fee. It's a suggestion. And I used to do that all the time. And I think about how much money I left on the table because I wanted to be agreeable and flexible. Um, whereas I doubt he did that. I bet his rate was like, he was like 60 K take it or leave it. You know, not his fault. It's something I could do. I, I, that's insane. First of all. And second of all, like, okay. So follow-up question. What would you tell somebody who was like, okay, I really want to speak at this conference or whatever. And I got offered to speak, but they, they can't pay me. I'll give myself as an example. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I was asked to speak at a conference that was supposed to be in person, you know, COVID props, whatever. So now it's going virtual. When we were in the first stages of communication, I sent over like my media kit, my speaker kit. And I was like, it has my rates listed in there and everything. And then they come back and they're like, Oh, I somehow missed that you charge for this. Like I can't, I can't pay you. I said, no, thanks. But like, it, it, you right. know, it, what if I had really wanted to stay like, you know, mm-hmm. like what if Susie Q really wants to speak there, but they're not paying anybody. That's like a huge right. thing I see. And I, I, I don't really know how to navigate that to be quite frank. Like if they're not paying anyone and you want to go, what do you do? Totally. Okay. So I've been there and there's a few different things. Number one, it's really helpful to have someone else bat for you. That's not you. 
even if you have an email that's an assistant email that maybe is still you, like I won't tell anyone I've been there, but, um, you know, sometimes as a speaker, like you don't want to be the bad guy. You don't want to be like the fee police. And so having someone else be like, look, you know, Jess's fee is this is helpful in that negotiation. But if a, an event genuinely, um, is not paying speakers, first of all, I will say that they're going to realize that they get what they pay for because, at the end of the day, like if you really want someone's commitment and best work, pay them, you know, and I've, I've been on the other side of that too, where I've, I've regretted, you know, planning events and trying to be as, you know, money conscious as possible where I'm like, I should have just what's your rate. And I know that I'm going to get the best thing, you know, so I've been there. But, um, so what I like to do is number one, suggest if there is a sponsor that could sponsor you to speak. And I offer like, Hey, if you can get a sponsor to sponsor me, I would love to meet with that sponsor in like a round table, you know, after I talk and give them that extra love and attention. Um, I've had, you know, when people buy chasing the bright side or something for at events, I'm like, you can put a bookmark from the sponsor, you know, in those books. And so make it really easy for them to find someone to pay for you. Like, how can you give them a little extra time and tools and resources that are like, Hey, like I'll help you find a sponsor, but I'm, you know, not coming for free. So that's, that's one that's like worked for me in the past. And that also shows like, Hey, if you really want me to speak, like you're going to have to do the work. Um, and you know, I'm not just going to roll over, but on the other side of things, if you are just getting started, you know, one of the way, the best ways to market yourself as a speaker is to speak. You know, the more times you're on stages, the better you get at your craft and the more you get discovered. So if you're like, look, I, I really want to do this. I would ask for a few things, um, that are huge value, but not money. So that first thing is footage. Do they have video that they can give you afterwards of your talk? because speakers with videos are like four times more likely to get booked because people don't want to pay five, $10,000, um, to, for a speaker that they don't know what their stage presence is like. Um, I'm not saying that you can't get booked. It's just a little bit more difficult. So ask for footage. And then I would ask for a testimonial. So testimonials are huge when it comes to speaking. And that's really one of the core ways that I've grown my speaking business and we talk about this in mic drop workshop a lot. And I give like templates of how to ask for them, how to use them, take that testimonial that they've given you, send it out to any like-minded conferences. So let's say it's like a photographer's conference that booked you to speak. And they're like, Laylee was the best thing that ever happened to us. She's amazing. You're going to be like, great. I'm going to take that testimonial and send it to the Arizona photographers conference, the Florida photographers conference. I think like one time for like six months straight, I was just speaking at these like realtor events because I got a really good testimonial from a real estate conference that we just blew out to all these other realtor events. So use those testimonials and like push them up different verticals. And then the third thing I would do is ask for a referral. So this is like a big one that a lot of people don't do at the end of your talk, like if they're pleased with it and you can put this in the contract and beforehand and say, if you're pleased with my talk, I want three referrals to people who, you know, that book speakers and more than likely they're like so happy to do it. You know, they want to make it a win-win, especially if you go up there and kill it. So even if you want to speak, 
even if they're not ready to pay you, there are ways that you can still get value out of the gig that could increase your chances of speaking that aren't money. So those are just a few ways. I love how tactical and tangible that was. Um, and I love how we've kind of been chatting about people who are already speaking. So let's like rewind a little bit. And if somebody is like just starting out, I usually tell people, you know, like find a place to speak, whether that's something like mm-hmm. start local, start small, like it's cool, whatever. Start at schools, start at school districts, start at, we have here, like they're like youth groups, but it's like debutante kind of stuff. Cause I'm in the South. Yeah. And they always have like speakers come in and talk to their girls. What are, would you say that that's like, advice that you would agree with? Would you give some other advice for people who are just starting out and trying to like build that up? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say like one of the goals that I teach in Mic Drop Workshop is each speaking opportunity that you have, whether it's paid or not, should lead to three more speaking opportunities. And whether it's because there was someone in the audience that wants, oh, my cousin is looking for speakers for blah, blah, blah. Like I've gotten a gig from like an Uber driver before who's cousin worked at like a convention center. Like you just never know, you know? And, and so I, it's kind of like a frequency that you put out there. The more you speak, the more your frequency waves are going out there where people can discover you or it's because someone, you know, um, of a testimonial or, or a referral. But I would say some of the low hanging fruit for like beginner speaking opportunities are some of the things that you hit on schools, high schools. I've spoken at a kindergarten before, like uh, Girl Scouts, Rotary Clubs, churches, um, Chamber of Commerce. Like there's so many different local places that are looking for speakers every day, all the time. So definitely start by like reaching out to those, getting those testimonials, getting footage when you can and getting those referrals. So those are a great way, way to start. The other thing that I think is um, a really good tactic is what at, we call them speaker sisters at Mic Drop Workshop, where we, if you know someone else who's also a speaker and you guys are maybe similar but don't have competing messages, a lot of times when you speak at an event, they aren't going to book you again next year because they need someone new. So they're going to ask, ask you like, hey, Lily, like, who do you know? that we can bring next year. And you could be like, great, my friend Jess, you know, like is here right now. And I even have a few of those like kind of alliances, if you will, set up with speakers where we do like a rev share, you know, if they speak somewhere that then books me to speak, you know, I'll give them 15% of my fee. And so working with other speakers, like it's a very collaborative industry and not competitive because maybe And I'm sure that photography is collaborative as well, but it's like, they're probably going to use the same photographer, you know, every time Whereas speakers, you can't do that. So in mic drop, we have a speaker sister community where we share gigs like, Hey, I just spoke at this event. They're just, they're looking for more form alliances with other speakers and like lift each other up. That's so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, okay. And then I have to ask, cause it's my signature question here. What's your unpopular opinion about being a professional speaker. Ooh, my unpopular opinion about being a professional speaker in order to a lot, like the belief is that in order to be a speaker and get paid, you know, a good amount, then you have to be saying something revolutionary or, you know, like, Oh, I've never heard of that before when that's not the case. Like a lot of the things that I speak on are concepts that you've heard before, like optimism, you know, believing in better, creating what you wish existed 
you've heard those things before, but maybe I'm just telling them to you in a way that like hits differently or um, maybe is igniting something that's been lost for a while. So when you think about your topic and what you want to speak on, don't think that you have to like have something that's like, you know, the blah, blah, blah method that's like only me, you know, you can speak on confidence, empowerment, all of these things that maybe you learned in kindergarten, but you're using your story to teach them in a different way. So don't think that your topic is like been there, done then that or overdone because a lot of people need to be reminded of the same things, no matter where they're at in life. And your story is just reminding them of that in a really refreshing and different take. I love that. That was awesome. Thank you so much for all of your amazing insight. Um, I will link all the places to find Jess um, in the show notes, including links to her book and her course. Um, if you are interested in becoming a speaker, like clearly from this episode, you should just go ahead and sign up for Mic Drop. <laughs> but where can people like connect with you primarily just right off the bat? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. Um, and also in my Instagram bio, I have like a link to a free keynote planner, you know, in my bio. So if you want to start mapping out your keynote, you can find me at on Instagram at Jess underscore Ekstrom. Um, also have a new company I'm starting called Bright Pages. So please follow that. Uh, it's an online journaling service for creatives. So I feel like right up your alley. Um, but yeah, reach out to me, head to chasingthebrightside.com. That's my website. And I would love to hear from you. That is awesome. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review in iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Everything's fine. All right. I have problems. <clears throat>